This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and with me today is Tim Parrish and Clemente Lisi. We are going to talk about the Fall 2023 Sport Card Expo in Toronto, and then we're going to talk about the Fall 2023 Chicago Sports Spectacular. So one episode covering two conventions. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Tim, I'll start with you. What's up with you? Uh, the ceiling and the ceiling fan and there's some lights up there too. But other than that, nothing. Okay. That was a more creative answer than your usual, uh, I don't know answer. So good, good to know that there's lights and ceiling up there and Clemente yourself. All good. I just feel like I'm getting past the hangover of the expo. You, did you get a haircut? I did that as well. Yes. Yeah. You look, you look very suave today. Uh, said i'm more cleaned up now yeah and then you got the new headset microphone so you look like you could be selling us a sham wow you know (laughs) get the haircut and you got the the headset that's a very old reference anyone anyone below 30 doesn't know what you're talking about no anyone below 30 is watching some doofus on tiktok opening packs and going didn't the sham wow guy go to jail or something i think think he did i think i think he did all right well Okay, well, uh, I'll compare you to someone else next time. You like look, look like the subway guy. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, wait. Oh, the OxyClean guy. No, not him. No, not yeah. him. Yeah, I don't know, right? Let's, let's, you can run down the list of pitchmen, and they're all pretty much garbage people. So it's been a while since our last podcast, and I just want to give the listeners a recap of my life over the past two and a half weeks because it's been crazy. So couple days after we dropped our last podcast, you know, it was like Monday I had class because I teach. Tuesday I have class because I teach. Tuesday night I had to do an open mic because I'm taking this stand-up comedy class. Then, of course, my friend who went with me, you know, because I needed to have video of me doing this open mic. Now, of course, I treated him to dinner, but then I don't get home till like midnight. Then I had to be up at 4.30 the next day for a flight to Toronto. So then it's Wednesday. I'm in Toronto. I end up going to a Leafs game, Leafs versus Senators game. You know, then uh, Thursday morning, I go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And then Thursday afternoon and evening, I go to the Expo. And then I do that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday night, I fly out back to Chicago. Monday, mercifully, I didn't have any school. But Monday night, I was doing my stand-up comedy class. Tuesday, mercifully, I didn't have any school to teach, but I started dating someone. And so we went out because I didn't want to tell this woman, well, yeah, I can't see you for two and a half weeks because I'm going to a card show and then selling at a card show and doing all this other stuff. So, you know, you make time for people. So, and then it's Wednesday and then it's like Thursday and I'm getting ready for the Chicago sports spectacular. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, do the show And then Monday, of course, Monday night, then I had my stand-up comedy final where I got to do a five-minute stand-up comedy set in front of an audience at a a club called Zany's in Chicago. And then here we are. So that's kind of like how my last two weeks have been just like non-stop. So I'm finally catching my breath. I mean, on Tuesday, I slept for 10 hours. So not to give you the full story, but when people are like, 
hey, when's the next podcast? It's it's not like I lost interest. It's just that I've been too busy doing things to, I guess, podcast about it. But here we are. How about you guys? Well, if we don't start putting these out like at least three times a week, our sponsors are all going to pull out. What sponsors? Exactly. Right, exactly. I was like, oh, did you get us a sponsor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Today's show is sponsored by paper. Paper. Everybody but- needs paper. Yeah, paper to wrap your cards in when you're too cheap to use a bubble mailer. Wrap them in paper and put them in a plain white envelope. I just start doing that every segment of the show. This show is sponsored by, and I'll just randomly grab some. This pen. Yeah. You should use this pen. Yeah, Sharpie paint pens. Okay, so let's start with the Expo. According to the Expo promoters, this was the biggest sport card Expo in history. I believe it. I've only been to one previous Expo that was previous fall fall of 2022 and it was the same like there were like two halls that were joined by a hallway but then like one of the halls they opened up to reveal like another room but then that other room was like only half full and uh, Clemente I'm referring to like where they had the main stage and then they kind of had the PSA submissions and then after that it was like all empty kind of like they ran out of things to put there so like PSA was kind of like the end of the show so it, it was like a half an exhibition hall bigger I think it was like halls like three four and five or whatever you know the one thing I'm just gonna throw right off the bat and I'll throw it to you Clemente dude there was so much graded stuff like you remember when all those graded card companies were backlogged with submissions back in 2020 2021 and 2022 well That's not the case anymore. They've caught up with those submissions because they were in everybody's cases at the show. I felt like there was more graded than non-graded. And on the other hand, the PSA booth was pretty empty. Again, I can remember when people had to book appointments online if they wanted to drop off cards for grading. Now we're back to the point where you can just kind of walk up and drop your things off and you don't need to make an appointment, you know, nine weeks ahead of time. So anyways, just my observations off the cuff. Yeah, no, um, what you said is exactly right. It did seem way bigger than when I went in the spring of 22. And I think that they're enjoying the boom in Canada that we saw at the national and, and the hobby just in general across North America. So that doesn't surprise me too much. Overall, the show was well run and it always is. I'm not fond of what you just said, though, in terms of describing the layout. That hallway, it's bigger than a hall, but a hallway was so crowded when the big signers were there, including Mike Tyson, Ric Flair, Carey Price, those guys. It was hard to get through halls three and five, I guess, or however they, they manage it. So I do think that the layout is a little weird. I know that the national tries to make it always kind of either square or rectangular. And this year's national was like that. It was weird. Like you had to go down that little slope to go to the other area. And the, mm-hmm. the expo had a similar thing. We had to go down this hallway, which had they not had vendors in that hallway, it might have been a little easier to get through. But look, I'm nitpicking here. The show was really, really good. And I just think they're suffering some of the growing pains that we're seeing of all shows and the boom of shows and, and just the increased yearning of people to go to shows. You're right about the whole PSA thing, but I do think that there are the grading options in Canada. There aren't that many grading options. So that's why I think PSA is, is only only game in town really, but people what, get, what is there? What is the Canadian grading? Is it KSA? Is KSA. That, yeah. oh, KSA. It's funny that the cards, 
people will have KSA graded cards in their showcase, and people in Canada have told me they respect that graded company. But I don't think KSA had a booth, right, um, Sal? I don't recall them having a big presence, which is weird if they're like the biggest name in Canada, but I, I didn't see them at the show. But you do see stuff in the showcase that's KSA graded. Did yeah, they I group think... all the graders together, like in one little section? Mm, or they spread out? Kind of. Wasn't the Beck Beckett kind of over there because we were looking for the Beckett booth to get our free magazine? Yeah. The thing is, though, it didn't have the same feel as the National, which like all the corporates are in the same. You know, this didn't feel that, that way at all. I mean, in terms of big corporate presence, Upper Deck seemed like to have the biggest kind of area at the end of the show. And, and they, they were not in the corporate section. They were in the main hall. And they had an interesting thing. They had this upper deck, upper deck, where I think that they would do all their um, giveaways from this upper level. What he means by that oh, is it, a they, had a two, upper deck. they had a two-tier booth, right? Like, I asked uh, Billy Celio, I said, do you just, like, stand up there and peer down at us peons, you know, and maybe throw some cards down uh, upon us, you know? He's like, no, we go up there to have meetings. They go, oh, okay. That seems kind of like a waste for a pretty cool, like you have this like second floor, like balcony. I would think that like, that's where you'd send the breakers to go sit up there, you know, and they could kind of look down at everybody. Well, I guess they kind of look down on people at the show anyways, in more ways than one. Cause you know, they're, they're breaking a case of premiere and getting, you know, five free expo packs. And the rest of us are just trying to find the best price on a box of series one, you know? But so, I, But I agree with you in that, an opportunity lost to have people go up there because behind their booth there was plenty of room to have meetings if they wanted to meet or whatever so i don't know what they were talking about i think they wanted to have this balcony where they can like shout and give and give prizes away and get the crowd revved up and maybe it was a better and it was different i think they did this in the expo in the past though but i, I don't know it, it seemed like an opportunity lost for people who maybe wanted to break or they wanted to rip packs or do something else but whatever i mean it was it was interesting and look upper deck is is when you talk about hockey cards upper deck is really the only game and so i understand they're having this big presence at the show but overall i thought you're right there's a lot of graded stuff and a lot of high-end stuff and a lot of the high-end stuff reflected like the the moment i thought so for example when i went in 22 i'm comparing it to my last experience which was you know the summer of 22, which was the delayed spring version of the show because of the pandemic, it was all Gretzky, mostly Gretzky, and then a lot of McDavid. I felt like people were scared or ashamed to put McDavid out because the Oilers are doing so badly that there was very little McDavid, and McDavid had been replaced by Sidney Crosby. Like, he was everywhere, and, and I was talking to some people about that. The idea is because there's been so much promotion of Sidney Crosby and Connor Bedard, a lot of people are, are kind of re reinvesting or relooking, looking at Crosby once again. And I, and I want to point out one thing that was a big discrepancy. The prices were all over the place. So some people had a $20 card. Another person had that same card raw for a hundred dollars. And then another guy had it for 200. It didn't make no sense. And the card that I'm referring to was that Sidney Crosby McDonald's rookie year card that, for some reason seemed to be everywhere. And it was a card that some people had for 15 to $20 Canadian raw. And then I saw it raw, like down a hallway, down in another booth for 200 Canadian raw. And I thought this card isn't worth this much money. I got this card on eBay like five years ago for I think $10. 
and all of a sudden it, 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 it there was like a mini explosion in this card. So I don't, and, and there's maybe more examples of that, but that's the one I noticed the most of. And the Connor Bedard Easter egg card was selling for $700 Canadian, which was ridiculous. And so, and I saw about seven or eight of those. That's it? I figured you would have found more. No, oh. there's, there's more on eBay. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's tons on there. I just thought there'd be more people. I don't, I mean, I don't know how much. And for that price, no one's Breakers buying. are breaking cases of those up there, but. There was um, one grader. I don't know if it was SGC. It might have been SGC. And they said that if you pulled this card, they would grade it for you for free. All right. So there were like people would get the card and then they'd want to get it graded, especially if they could get it graded for free. And, you know, if I owned a grading company, I would be like, yeah, we'll grade your high profile card for free just to kind of put our name on the map, so to speak, you know, because everybody thinks PSA or BGS, although maybe not BGS so much anymore with, you know, their past controversies, well, past recent controversies and shady things and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know, but. You know, if I was a grading company, yeah, I would, I'd want to grade the card, the it card. And that was an it card. We'll talk about the Chicago Sports Spectacular later. But of course, that was the card that everybody asked me about at my booth. So let me point out one thing too. Sure. All the card cards I saw at the expo, I said seven or eight of them, they were all raw. Okay. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's been out long enough for people to get the turnaround time on getting it graded. Unless mm -hmm. they did it on site. Right. In addition to there being a lot of graded, even like the new stuff, everything just felt expensive. Like in the way that like a year ago, I looked around and I found deals and I felt like, I mean, everything's always negotiable, but like, I kind of felt like I'd look at that card and I'd go, eh, it's 50 bucks. 50 bucks seems like a fair price. Here you go. 50 bucks. Now I feel like everybody's asking for hundred bucks and then they want the buyer to try to push down the price you know what i mean like almost like like the mentality is well i'm just gonna mark these cards up to ridiculous prices and if they want to pay that that's fine and if they don't they can ask me to mark it down but i feel like it's putting more pressure on the buyer because again like with that crosby card i saw it for like 40 bucks and i said hmm I don't know if 40 bucks is a good price. And then I looked and I saw somebody else selling it for 20. But then I looked on eBay. I checked the comps because now I'm starting to do that. <gasps> what? I know. But you know what? I, I actually, I've started doing that when I buy cards from people because I've been getting burned because normally I'd look and be like, oh yeah, I'll give you whatever for that. And then like later on, I realized like I overpaid for it, you know, because then if I try to sell the card, people are going to check the comp. So I guess that's the thing. If people are comping the cards when they're buying them, I should be comping the cards when I'm buying them, at least as as a reseller. But like as a fan, you know, if I look and I go, well, this card will make me happy for that price or not or whatever. But like, you know, then I see the Crosby McDonald's rookie card, if we could call it that, going for like 10 bucks, 15 bucks. So now all of a sudden, 40 seems really skewed. And like, I'll give you like another for instance. 0506 upper deck rookie class. It's got a Crosby card. It's got an Ovechkin card. It's got a Lundqvist card. Those are like the three big rookie cards in that set. Though really it's Crosby and Ovechkin because as Clemente wrote for Sports Collectors Digest, goalies don't get any respect when it comes to collecting. And 
Henrik Lundqvist cards are woefully underrated for a guy as, as good as he was and as good looking as he still is. Talk about Lundqvist, not Clemente and his new haircut. I do have a counterpoint to that argument. But okay, we'll but really quick later. about this rookie class set. I saw somebody selling the Crosby. This guy didn't know what he was doing. Because remember, he had that oversized Lundquist card and he wanted 50 bucks for it. It was like a rookie card, rookie class card, like a four by six or three and a half by five of Lundquist. And he had it marked at like 50 bucks. Oh, the and box topper? Yes. 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 And then he had the Crosby for 230 raw. 230. I'm not making up that number. Yeah. And and I said to him very politely, I said, look, I said, I don't want to question your prices. I said, but this is not a $230 card because he was really trying to sell us something like he was like showing me and Clemente everything. And we were like trying to be nice. But he was like, oh, let me show you this. And oh, I have a lot of wrestling. Do you guys like wrestling? We're like, no, not really. And then he's like, well, I got this hockey card. Here's a Lundquist card for 40 bucks. And we're just like, that should be like five, maybe $10 if you're pushing it. And then. I told him, you know, that Crosby card is like a like a $50 card. And then, like, the dealer next to him has the rookie class Ovechkin for, like, 100 And then somebody had, like, the rookie class Crosby for 50 And then I found, like, the complete set sealed for 50 And I bought it. But you know what I mean? That's the thing. It was kind of all over the place. Now, I'll give you, like, just one other example where it's maybe a little bit not as obvious Remember when we did our show about Upper Deck Ice, 2122 Upper Deck Ice, and there was the Green Parallel set. And I said, I really like the Green Parallel set. I want to put that set together. I think you get like one per pack. Well, one dealer had the full set for 60 bucks. Another dealer had the full set for like 175 bucks. So, of course, when I saw the one for 60, I bought it without thinking twice because I'm like 150 cards, including the 50 rookies. 60 bucks sold, right? But then I go two tables over, 175. But that's kind of like a new set and a parallel set. So you're going to get a little more fluctuation. But with something that's been around forever, like a Crosby rookie class card, that should be a little more stable. Uh, Especially considering where while you were talking, I just pulled up, just finished. And this one's 14, this one's 20, this one's 25, 26, 21. 30, 19, 24, 14, 10. So there you go. That's ungraded. Yeah. Graded ones max out at like 60 bucks. Really? For like nines? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, here's a 10. This says it went for 300. I doubt Mm -hmm. that was paid for. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, PSA 9 sold for 60 bucks. It was just kind of all over the place. That's not even 200 Canadian, so. No, no. Crazy. That's weird that they would be that much discrepancy from one table to the next with the same product. Like the same items. Like if if dealers are selling the same cards, just to see that big of a gap. I mean, it's kind of like shopping on eBay. You see, just like I read all those numbers down. There was one for 10, but there was also one for 30. Which one do you want? I want the one for 10. So I'll walk two tables down and I'll go buy that one. That was the theme of the show, I felt like. And so you know how the national, they say, oh, if you see a card you like, buy it because you may not see it again. At the expo, there's so much hockey that you will see that card again. And by the way, it might be $100 cheaper somewhere else. Or $50. That's just crazy. So it was crazy. So the first day, 
I just walked around. I don't think I, I bought very little the first day, except I bought a bunch of Lundquist cards that were really cheap, rookie year stuff. But I didn't really want to spend money on something that I saw a big price variation on. And I don't know what that is, what that's all about. I guess when we talk about the Chicago show, we'll talk about whether you saw that there. I, I doubt it because there isn't enough hockey to be able to do a price comparison. And I also wonder, because there's so much hockey in one place, does this happen with baseball and basketball and football? I just never noticed it, but I don't think so. I never heard anyone say, hey, by the way, that $5 card is $100 down down, down here. I never heard that. So I don't know what's going on in the hobby, if it's just Canada, if it's a new thing, or it's like eBay invading the real world where it looks like it looked like eBay. I feel like that's more what it is. Yeah. It's the oh, cyber sure. world trickling over into the physical world because you have so much of what we were just talking about. Everybody's got their face buried in their phone and they're just scanning every card, looking it up on card ladder, looking everything up on eBay, looking it up on, on worth point or whatever, whatever program they're using. And that's all they do. And dealers time and time again, it's just bombarded with, I'll give you, I'll give you 50. Well, no. Well, the lowest one sold for 50 doesn't mean I have to sell for the lowest. So you'll have that guy that's worried about that. So he just marks his stuff down thinking, well, I won't have to haggle with anybody. So I'll just put them at this price. And you got the guy that's two tables down that he's like, I don't give a rat's, you know what, what the cops say it's worth this. And I'm selling it for that. Right. Well, maybe you don't sell it then. Maybe you just have it for sale. Yeah, it'll I mean, sit in your case and it'll be there next year. I think that's probably right. And the other, the other thing too, I think, and Sal, I'm sure can back me up here, is that I'm finding the fact that trade nights are becoming more and more useless at these big shows. <laughs> yeah, I want you guys to talk about the trade yeah, night because, because the, the show, story you told me was hilarious. Yeah, the show is the show and the show is great. I don't care if it's the National, the Expo, or like your local high school gym show. It's fine. You know, whatever. But Trade night is supposed to be fun, and this trade night at the expo was not fun. It was well. Hold on, there were two trade nights technically. Well, true, but I'm talking about the the, the what, real the, one. Yeah, the big one, the Saturday night one, and that that one felt like there were people basically looking for deals so they can flip the card somewhere else. And it's like, look, I'm not a wholesaler. I'm not here to sell, or you know, I'm, I'm here to trade or sell, but not so you could then you know. I'm not a bottom feeder to be able to give you a car that you can then double somewhere else or get better cards. And of course, because the expo is so hockey heavy, I thought the trade night was a lot of basketball and soccer and, you know, that stuff. People weren't looking for hockey there. I think the trade night was attractive to people who are like, look, I don't do hockey and this show is full of hockey. And some people that Sal and I met, I think it might have been their first expo. They were shocked the amount of hockey. They were looking for soccer and basketball and some baseball. And I'm like, thinking like you're at the wrong show i mean yeah go to, go to the national for that or go to the go to chicago go, go to a big regional show like dallas but you're in the wrong city then if you're looking for that and so it looked it was a lot of those card bro types that at the show you really didn't notice them that much it felt like train night was a magnet for all these card bros all show up in one place and to really you know sal and i had a good time because we made the best of it but it felt like a waste of time for me yeah, and Clemente said the funniest thing, which is what prompted us to to call you from the hotel restaurant. Clemente said, 
everything that I hate about the hobby was just in that room all at once together. We were laughing so hard and we were not drunk. We didn't need to be drunk to have a good time. But we're like, dude, we need to get Tim out on this call because you're you're he wanted to rant about it. I go, if you're gonna rant, you need to you need to loop Tim on this. I mean, we could have recorded that phone call and made it a podcast, but it would not have been, you know, PG thirteen. So. so we would have all been like canceled by now. But but aside from that, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys walked in there and saw that and you're you're like Oh, I'm so glad Tim's not here. <laughs> I've been going around flipping tables. <laughs> no, a year ago, when I did, when I went to the trade night last year, it was 25 bucks Canadian. You go in, it seemed like there were, weren't too many people. There were enough people. I was able to split a table with somebody, and I didn't really make too many trades. Like, I traded a few, some football for hockey, or I had some football that I sold, and then I traded, like, an Ottawa Senators card for like a Justin Fields card. And then I don't think I made any other real trades, but then they had a raffle and I won some prizes and then they ordered pizza. Part of the $25 covered, they gave us like two drink tickets and pizza. And so that that was good. This year, the trade night was only $5. There were way more people. And so the room got filled really fast. Because like a year ago, I kind of came in I want to say I was like almost late to it and I was still able to find a spot this time. Like Clemente and I, we got in line like right away, but the line was already down the hall and we get there and like all the tables are full and then people are like, Oh, I'm taking these two tables. And it's like, no dude, you should take half a table because it's a trade night and everybody should get half a table. Like Clemente and I like, Oh yeah, we'll just find a six foot table. We'll split it in half, throw out some cards. I had like a little puck junk sign with the QR code. I was giving away, Bad hockey card Hall of Fame sets, although most people weren't interested because they couldn't comp them. <laughs> Even though they were complimentary sets, they couldn't figure out what they were worth. They're worth less. So, you know, they, they weren't interested in that. They were only interested in Clemente's Toronto Maple Leafs jersey card that everybody wanted to lowball him on. Yes, yeah, so that, that card's interesting. So that card I bought at the show, and it was, what, six patches on there? And it was from the cup and it was great. It was like basically all the starting jerseys or patches, not to interrupt, but they're Jersey pieces. Yeah. Jersey pieces. But still of, nice. Of six guys, you know, they're starters and all that. And it was from the cup, maybe two years ago, whatever. And the cup is a very expensive set. Matthews obviously. Marner. You had Freddie Anderson on there. Yeah, I think cool. Nylander. Yeah. And so this guy, this dealer, because they probably, this, this one dealer probably broke a lot on the cup. He had them all in a box and I was going through them. He's like, look, that card's 135, but I'll give it to you for 60. I was like, yeah, great. And, you know, I got it just for fun. And I thought, oh, it'll give me some trade night fodder. Like I can trade it for a card I want or someone can pay me for it, whatever. I'll buy what I want with it. Because I didn't really bring a lot of cards for trade night. So I thought, okay, let me pick something up here. And so at the show, I said, oh, look, I'll sell it to you for 100, which was still less than the 135 the guy had the sticker on. But more than the 60 I paid for. And a lot of people were interested and nobody made me an offer and nobody wanted to trade anything for it. They wanted to get it for maybe less than 60 even so they can then do whatever they want with it. And I thought, well, I'll just keep it. It's a cool card. And I'm not here to like replenish your, you know, your brocase. Of course, none of the cards Sal and I had were, were graded. So that was already like a, a knock against us. And look, the mm. only reason we were there Sal was there because he wanted to win a prize, and we did not win one. <laughs> and, that's one. and number two, I'm guilty of this. I'll, I'll confess to it. 
we were located right next to this gigantic bowl of chips, which I did a lot of damage on because I got bored. And then I got thirsty. So Sal wanted to get us drinks. Turned out drinks cost more than like most cards at the show. So we, we didn't even get drinks at the end. And we had to go to the hotel. And in the end, what it was of chips. They were like those homemade type of potato chips. Oh, like kettle cooked? Yes. Uh, and those are those, good. Those are good. Okay, now, Clemente, if you needed to take your medication, I would have gotten you, not that you're on medication, but if no. you're like, oh, I need to take this medication, I would have bought you something to drink. But, like, I go up and I'm like, uh, I'll take two cans of root beer. And the guy's like, you need to buy drink tickets. I go, okay. So then I walk over to where they're selling the drink tickets and a can of pop was five bucks for a can, a 12 Canadian. ounce. Yeah. Okay, so $4 American. So, and I'm incensed when they would sell cans of soda for $3 at the Chicago Blackhawks convention. I was like, fuck that. I'll go walk two blocks to like a restaurant because it's in the middle of downtown Chicago. You can find soda anywhere. But like $5 for like a soda for a can. Like, I was like, okay, I I'm sorry, Clemente. I like you, but. Let's just go, you know, let's go I don't get even like, like paying a dollar for a can of pop. Like, like I, I'm thinking back that there should, they should still be 50 cents. 50 cents. Yeah. Right. And when you go to like a Walmart or something, they are, you know, and it's just. Well, they put, well, they put those chips everywhere so you can buy those expensive drinks. But right. they don't know me. I held up. I held on. Here, I eat care. these salty chips so you're really thirsty. And then well, the come guys, buy our $90 drinks. The guys next to us were buying those beers. Remember, he kept coming with like the three cups of beers for him and his friends. And those are like 12 bucks each. And we're talking just like. Plastic solo cups, not quite the red cup size, but maybe just the size down, but clear. Right. And I'm just like, I get it. If you sell like an expensive card, then you, you got money to play with. But like, yeah, the trade night was like nobody wanted to trade. Everybody was just looking for the fire. Everybody was looking for the heat. You know what I mean? Like nobody was like, oh, cool. You have Ottawa Senators cards and I like the Ottawa Senators and I'll trade you some Blackhawks cards like this one guy went through all my cards and I traded him like a Logan Thompson jersey card with a white swatch for like a Patrick Kane numbered card because it just felt like an equivalent exchange. But, you know, it's just it's like everybody's only interested in like either graded stuff that's new or old if they think they could sell it right. or like new stuff like everybody wanted my Elias Pettersson rookie patch card not an auto just it's a rookie patch card but everyone's like oh, what do you want for the Pedersen what do you want for the Pedersen and I'm like well last one sold on eBay for 150 and I could do 150 and I was even thinking 150 Canadian but then I realized eh, he's leading the league in scoring at the time so that's why everybody wants that card all of a sudden so like it's almost like these bros are just so predictable it's a little sad and it's also a little nauseating you know what I mean like listen Tage Thompson is a great player, but does his RPA really need to be a $500 card? Really? 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 No, it doesn't. Oh, man. People don't trade cards anymore. No, Trading they is don't. basically dead in this whole in this whole scheme of the market the way it is. And that's that's the sad part. I mean, I trade with people fairly frequently, but it's never like Okay, I've got this card and it's selling for 20 and this one's selling for 40. So what do you have that's worth 60? And right. it's never like that. It's like somebody'll reach out, "Hey, I looked on your 
set needs list and i found like 75 cards you need you want them sure what do you collect oh i collect uh low mcdonald cards okay i think i have a few i'll flip through hey i got these five sure these are all common send them and i'll send these great done we don't care nobody cares about value nobody cares about anything what oh. i care about is putting the cards in the hands of the people that like them more than i do yeah no the trade night is all about hey look i don't yeah well i was about to mention that sound. Yeah. so the, the the trade night is about how i have cards that i don't want but you may want them and vice versa so we make a deal not you're trying to do whatever you're trying to do and, and, so the and i get well i get the whole thing of everybody wants to have equal footing in the whole thing i, I get that you know when you're having a monetary transaction between one thing and another and you're trying to haggle somebody out of whatever that is you're trying to buy you're obviously trying to come out on top as the victor so to speak because you got whatever deal that you got and the other person's not trying to lose their ass on the deal i think people if are... you're trading though it doesn't necessarily right. have to be like that and i understand yeah you you don't want to trade like a stack of 50 commons to you know this year's opichi set for a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. I mean, obviously that's silly. Right. But there is some semblance of figuring out, yeah, here's what I'm comfortable with. Here's what you're comfortable with. Let's go on our merry way and we have stuff we want. Yeah, so it makes me think two things. One, that you should trade with people you know, like like us, like we're friends and, and people you know, you, you know, strangers may not want to trade because everyone's looking to not get ripped off and whatever. And then the other thing was we joked around at the trade night was that you can put like a, a pro set card from 91 in a one touch and people will think it's worth something because everything anything good was either greater or in a one touch. And so Sal made a deal with somebody that was like a real trade and Sal will tell you the story, but it involved a five-year-old girl. Like that's where we're at basically. Oh, Sal's ripping off five-year-olds now. Great. No, I got, I, dude, I, I got... <laughs> You know, her parents might be listening to this podcast, so I'm not going to say I got hosed on the trade, although I just did, but I don't really care. So I was walking around, like, the room was so crowded, they opened up another room, like, halfway, like, they took out, like, some of the, like, retractable wall, the wall panels, but you couldn't really see into the other room unless you walked to the back of the one room and then walked around to the other side. It was like a U-shape. And so then they had round tables there and, like, the the table that Clementi and I bogarted was a cocktail table, like a high cocktail table that we put our cards on. He moved the bowl of chips to the other table with more chips, and then he was just eating those all those chips, right? And so, and I was like, no, I'm gonna wait for my overpriced hamburger at the at the hotel restaurant. But I go to the other side. They have like the big round like dining tables, and like you know, I'm like looking at what people have. A lot of soccer, a lot of Pokemon, a lot of graded. And then there's like a family, you know a dad and two kids, maybe the boy's 10, the girl's like five. And I just made a comment, like there was a card of Carlton, the Maple Leafs mascot, dressed as a goalie. And I just said, you know, just kind of nicely to the little girl. I said, oh, I didn't know Carlton knew how to play goalie. And she's like, I have a lot of great cards for trade. Do you want to make a trade? And I said, oh, I don't know. I said, well, I said, my cards are all the way in the other room. And, you know, she's, well, that's okay. I can go to the other room. I'm like, well, make sure it's okay with your dad. And then I'm like looking, I'm like, well, I, I don't know if I really want anything. And she's like, well, you know, keep looking. Cause I have a lot of good cards. And I'm like, 
you know, there were either like graded slabs that obviously weren't hers. Well, actually, I can't say obvious because we have kids a third of my age who have cards worth more than my entire collection. So I don't kids walking up to the table at the national. So I don't underestimate a five year old per se. But, you know, she was very insistent, very, very business like, very outgoing and like kind of like a salesman. Well, like, oh, take a look. There's a lot of good cards here. She was the kind of of like five year old that you've seen the commercial on TV or something. Right. So, like, finally, I look and I see, okay, Austin Matthews, Parkhurst rookie. And I'm like, well, I kind of like this card. And she's like, okay. I'm like, but you got to tell me what value you put on this card. She says, I think it's a $50 card. All right. I know this is not a $50 card, but I'm like, a, all a right. A Parkhurst card? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That was my 50? first. Tim, it was for a good cause. Continue your story. I didn't want to crush this girl's hopes and dreams at her first ever trade night, okay? You know, when she's 30 and in therapy and talks about why she doesn't collect hockey cards because that mean man wouldn't trade for her Austin Matthews Parkhurst rookie, right? Jokes on you. That was like her 18th one, and they've kicked her out of like seven of them because she's called the hustler. So I say, all right, make sure it's okay with your dad that you could come over to my table. And he he says, yeah, she could, you know, go ahead, go ahead. It's okay. You know, and I said, look, you got to approve any trade we make. And I looked at her and I said, the GM's got to approve the trade. So she comes over to the table and the first card she grabs is Clemente's Maple Leaf card with the six Jersey pieces. And she's like, I like this card. And Clemente's like, yeah, yeah, that's my card. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'd have to trade Clemente for something for that card. And that card is worth more than your card. And that makes the trade very complicated. So let's not make it complicated. So then she's like looking at my cards and then, She's drawn to a, uh, I had a clear cut autograph. It wasn't actually on a clear cut though. It was like a Parker's champions, Peyton Krebs autograph, Peyton Krebs of the Knights. I don't know if he's still on the Knights. No. So, you know, it was in a one touch. Like Clemente said, it was in a one touch because all those clear cut signatures come in one touches. So she liked that card and I had it tagged the 20. And then I said, I'll tell you what I said, I'll give you this card. And then I had a tall boy of Austin Matthews that was like a short print. I think it was like the caramel colored one or whatever. Nobody wanted that card. Nobody wanted that card at the national. Nobody wanted it at trade night. So I'm like, I'll throw this in. And then I had a couple of different Maple Leafs inserts from like Fleer Metal that were like shiny, like the one with like the half moon that says like out of this world and stuff like that. So I ended up giving her like, five or six or maybe seven different cards for this Parkhurst Austin Matthews that's copping for like eight bucks on eBay. And we're just going to say eight bucks, Tim. Don't prove me wrong and say actually four. Oh, here's a lot of four for eight bucks, Sal. So you're kind of right. But then, you know, then her dad like thanked me profusely. He's like, are you sure you want to give all these cards? I'm like, yeah, it's totally cool. You know, like what the hell am I going to do with those? To a kid, it means more. Those cards mean more. This card I'll just kind of hang on to because it is an Austin Matthews rookie card. I'm never going to buy his young gun, especially at what it's selling for. So I could be happy with this. I got a fun story attached to it. And look, one day this might be a $20 card. One day this might be a $100 card. Who knows? Probably not because it doesn't have any bling, but whatever. Pay it forward a little bit. Like I'm still reminded of when some adult just randomly handed me a stack of Blackhawks cards from like the 80s. Like, here you go, kid. 
and I was like 14 and I was like floored. Okay. So paying it forward. Yeah, no, I well, agree. With sometimes you, you have to. Yeah, and I think the spirit of trade night is is that, you know, and I'm not saying we were looking for deals like that, but you made a little girl happy and we have a story to tell. And it's we always talk about kids in the hobby and blah blah blah. So no, you did the right thing. And I thought it was it was fun. But it, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that moment that you told and for the chips, that night was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm glad that we went because we have a story, because you know, as journalists and chroniclers of the hobby we need to be there to tell people you know don't go but you know we went <laughs> we thought it might be fun the best thing and the best thing too was upper deck gave out these uh like breakers mats and i thought that was cool um but otherwise look we could have skipped it and it would have been fine but we wouldn't have a good story to tell i guess so but the vibe at the trade night and the vibe of the show like totally different universes that's kind of crazy yeah. yeah and the previous night they had a community appreciation night slash trade night that was free much tamer night in terms it was of mostly pokemon people yes. and there were like people dressed as pokemon there was like a giant pokemon like pikachu or something and then yeah. like a, a couple of like you know like younger fans dressed as you know like early 20s like dressed as like anime characters so it was like a totally different that's vibe the, that's the one thing too that we didn't talk about there were a lot of those people like we were told right Right, Sal, there was a woman who apparently rips um, Pokemon cards online while also stripping. So it's like, oh. Wait, wait what? It was like OnlyFans meets YouTube meets Pokemon cards. Why? Every 15-year-old knew who she was, and I'm thinking like, I don't know who this is. I don't care. But there was a, definitely a larger encroachment of Pokemon and games. Every 15-year-old knew who she was. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> she was breaking behind some glass. It was very odd. It was clearly uh... a pandemic career move or whatever that was. But but there was a lot of gaming, which I totally ignore, obviously. But that night, that, that appreciation night felt like more like a gaming card night than it did a the hobby for, for you know in terms of sports mm -hmm. so, you know that's another thing too that we have to look at that younger people are into gaming and pokemon cards and i can only see that segment getting larger and larger as more of them interested in that area and less in sports and like, let's be honest like we're we're like in, in the older section in terms of the collectors right and so uh, but let me ask you something since you're bringing up like non-sports and we don't have to talk about a lot of it but did you notice any influx of that Disney Lorcana stuff that everybody's been scrambling for in the States? No, but you're right. I, I have heard that people are like, you can't even get it at the stores, but no, I didn't see any of that. It was mostly the Japanese like anime stuff, like Pokemon one piece, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh, all that stuff. Like, but no, not the, not the set you mentioned, which I've heard yeah. is impossible to get. There were a couple dealers at the Chicago show that had cases of that stuff. Right. And I learned today that there's a difference between that and Disney 100, which is a totally different. Oh, thing. yeah. I saw Disney 100. Yeah, that was there. Yeah, that, that's supposed to be a pretty hot set, too, in commemoration of the birthday. But but otherwise, no, I didn't see a ton of that either. It was mostly like the anime. That's that's big. I uh, want to give a shout out to a gentleman by the name of Nick Giannone, who is from Montreal. He was going to the Leafs game on Friday and he realized that he was going to be at the Leafs game when Les Binkley was going to be signing autographs. So I 
reached out to him through the app and I said, here's my number. I can get your thing signed for you. And uh, he, uh, it was actually for his uncle. His uncle wanted a Les Binkley OPG rookie card autographed, but he ended up buying like a couple extra tickets that he didn't need. So he just gave them to me and Clemente. And I already had two because I was going to get my Topps rookie card signed. And Tim, I got you that puck signed. So we end up going in line to get Les Binkley's autograph. And so, Nick, if you're listening, thanks for the extra autographs. And we're glad to get that thing signed for you. Prior to that, though, I'm forgetting. Like, see, it's been two, like two weeks now. I'm like forgetting things. I got to do a panel discussion or a Q&A, rather, with Bernie Perrant which was great because I asked Bernie what I thought were all these interesting questions, but then Bernie just decided to talk about what he wanted to. When I said, well, thank you very much for your time as a guy, the stage manager is like doing this, like hurry it up. Right. And then Bernie just decides to, you want, you want to, you've probably heard him better than I did. Yeah. So like, so I asked a lot of good questions and Bernie kind of, Bernie Brown kind of agreed. And then at the end, you can tell he, he was going to give this speech, whether or not Sal ever brought it up, but it was about goaltenders today and flopping to the ground. And he gave this whole, like, look, I agree with him, but it, it sounded very much like an old man, get off my lawn thing, which of uh, course the crowd he hates was, the butterfly goaltending. But yeah, he, he hated all that. And he, and the crowd that was there was all, we were the youngest people there, Sal and I, and, they all gave him like a rousing ovation because they all agreed. And look, that was kind of the theme of the night in terms of the, the guests. And that, that made the show great. The autograph guests, we shouldn't be remiss to mention those people, Mm-mm. the guests that came like 35 hockey signers, some of the greatest players ever. And then a lot of them did the thing on stage where they interviewed, you know, Sal interviewed some of them on stage. And that was great because even in 10 minutes, you got all these really great stories from their playing days. And, um, yeah, you know, Bernie Perrant is not a fan, and it was a good perspective, and in a lot of ways, it was fun to watch a lot of these older guys pal around, and because they're older, and they're even before our time, but they're legends, all these younger people that we mentioned at the trade night, they were nowhere near this part of the show, and that mm-hmm. made it great, and at one point, I think, was it Marcel Dion and a bunch of other guys showed up, took a picture with Les Binkley, and that was kind of a fun moment that there was like six people witnessed it and Sal and I were like two of the people that were there. And well, uh, what, what happened was um, the, the triple crown line, right. Marcel Dion, Dave Taylor and Charlie Simmer. So then I got to do a Q and a with them. I was only allotted 10 minutes for that. And it started like super late. I don't know why these things started super late, right. uh, but thanks for, to Clemente for sticking around, taking a few pictures um, so I, I can put those on my fridge. Like, yes, I interviewed hockey players at this thing, but like, they're supposed to provide the video. I just haven't even had the time to say like, Hey, where's the video, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to share that on the puck junk YouTube channel, but triple crown line. I mean, I only asked them like two questions first. They had their hockey card, the triple crown line card behind them from 81, 82 OPG. And they sat down in a different order than what was on the hockey card. So when I looked at them and I looked up at the screen, I said, you guys are in the wrong order than what's on your hockey card. You're going to confuse the audience. And the audience laughed, or at least I think they did. I like to think they did. The video will prove me wrong, maybe. But, you know, everybody got a chuckle out of that. And then one of the players was like, no, Marcel's the center. He always is in the middle between us, right? And then I said, how did you guys, how come you guys were so awesome together? And then... Charlie Simmer said it was all Marcel, but then Marcel was talking about, well, Dave Taylor set me up for a four gold night and that was the start of things. And like, 
you know, Taylor was like, hey, I was just, I was a fourth liner. And in one game, they just throw me on the first line because of injury. And I'm so glad that Marcel scored four times because, um, you know, I got to stay on his line. And then Marcel was saying, oh, yeah, and Charlie Simmer, whenever we'd play the Golden Seals, he was like the one bright spot on their team, you know, like a really good player. And then when we acquired him, I was so excited, but then we put him in the minors right away, you know, and he's like, well, why are we putting this great guy in the minors? He can help our team. And then eventually, you know, they started playing together. And then, um, and then I asked if they had like a funny story, they got quiet. And then one's like Pittsburgh. And I'm like, are we allowed to talk about Pittsburgh? And then Marcel's like, no, it's X rated. But then he told the story. If Yeah, the story was good. It was about how uh, Marcel Dion got a was, it the, was that the sniper story? He got a phone call from a guy who threatened to kill him if he had scored that a goal that night. And so then Marcel Dion goes on to explain how that night he was skittish on the ice the whole time, thinking like if he does anything, he'll get shot. And uh, he even like fanned on an empty netter. Like he, he totally missed on purpose. He's like, I, you know, they were winning anyway. He's like, I don't want to get shot. And so it was kind of a funny story. And then he talks about how nothing happened. Then months later, they went back to Pittsburgh and he had forgotten all about this incident and uh, he scores against the Penguins. And then like he goes to celebrate and all his teammates just like skate away from him, like <laughs> towards the bench. He's all by himself there. So he goes that reminded him of 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 that night. But no, it was a funny story. And look, if it, if it was more than 15 minutes, I'm sure they would have told another hundred of these stories. It would have been great. But uh, but that's the one thing about the show, too, that I like is that they they'll do Comic-Con type stuff with stage and guests that you don't see at the national really and i think these shows i wrote you know my piece for puck junk i think these shows need to do more of that fan interaction maybe more kind of a fan fest thing because otherwise even the national will get kind of boring it's just cards and if you're going to be there for five days the last day or two of a, even of a national gets kind of boring even the last day at the expo i didn't even go to on the last day but on that saturday i was like i had seen every booth multiple times and at that point it was getting boring so it was nice to be able to go to some of those stuff the autographs or even the stage and spend some time there hearing these stories and getting autographs I, right sal do you agree with that i feel like that was that was part of the, the stories that we had the fun stuff not just oh yeah i got into this debate with a dealer over the price of this car that's not fun yeah, no, absolutely. Like getting to hear from the players was a lot of fun. Even the trade night, even though we like don't like it, some people like it and that's okay. There needs to be more things like that. Like maybe there should be a vintage trade night and a Pokemon trade night or like a Pokemon trade room and a vintage trade room. You know what I mean? Like it, it could be a little more thematic or more segmented. Yeah, I agree. Or more, more Q&A stuffs that are longer than like 10 minutes. I mean, I did ask the audience with Perant, I said, does anybody have any questions? And nobody asked any questions. But then at the end, somebody asked him a question and he answered, which was nice. But like, I did ask, does anybody have any questions? Right? Like, so I feel like that sort of thing. Like, I remember a year ago, they had a Q&A with Kirk McLean, former Canucks goalie and Rangers legend. I'm just kidding. Canucks legend and also a one-time Rangers goalie, which was just weird. But those things are great. Oh, um, I want to give a, a shout out to Laudio from NHL Hockey Stickers. Thanks for uh, meeting up with us at the show. Actually, what was it, Clemente? We met at the Upper Deck. They had like a raffle 
Right. And I was just telling people, all right, meet me at the upper deck booth, even though it's a zoo because it's a raffle, but you can find it. It's a big logo, like the bat signal. You see it and you could just go to it. So that was a good idea of like where to find people like, yeah, like lost children should just report to the upper deck booth. Go to the Connor Bedard banner and yeah. your parents will find you there. You know what I mean? And then uh, I want to give a shout out to a gentleman by the name of Jordan who stopped me. He had a table. He was set up. He's like, Sal, puck junk. I love the podcast. And he's like, where's Tim? Where's Clemente? And I'm like, well, Clemente's here, but Tim couldn't make it. He's like, oh, that's too bad. Well, I want, you know, I want to meet all of you guys. And, you know, we talked and I bought some cards from him and he cut me a nice price. Thank you for that, Jordan. But, you know, I just handed him the stack of cards. I said, all right, you know, whatever you could do on these is fine. I'm not going to argue the price. And then he just said, ah, yeah, how about a hundred bucks? I go, yep, that's fine. I said, I'm not even going to cop them, right? I was kidding. And he said, you're lucky Tim's not here to hear you say that. And I said, oh, if I comped these cards, I would have to punch myself. <laughs> well, you know, that's a loyal listener if he, he made that comment about Tim. So Yeah, you're lucky Tim's not here to hear that you say that. You always know it's good when people comment on like various mannerisms and tendencies that you have in your various rantings and diatribes you go on on a show to show basis. So what was it? Your good. stoic sarcasm? What was it? What was no, it? Your... No, it was the stoner negativity. My stoner, stoner negativity is stoner what it was. negativity. So I've been called that. I've been called that I sound like uh, Tommy Chong, whatever. That's cool. Yeah. At least people are listening. That's all that matters. So a but. few highlights of things that I bought at the show, just to give a quick rundown. I was concentrating on trying to finish off my 63-64 Parker's Hockey set because, again, the new stuff was, like, through the roof prices. But, like, the vintage stuff, the guys with the cases weren't looking for any, you know, Tim Horton cards from 1963. They were looking for the Tim Hortons cards from 2023. Oh, and I didn't even bother with any Hortons. I bought a few packs out of Tim Hortons, but like, I feel like most of the Tim Hortons were sold out because people wanted the Connor Bedard redemption card. And I figured, you know what? I'll just wait. I'll pick up a base set. I didn't want to pay $20, $25 for a base set. I'll wait. I couldn't find an album though. But as far as like older cards, I picked up 13, uh, 63, 64 Parkhurst cards, I'm down to needing six cards for that set. So that's cool. But then, you know, you, you don't want to miss an opportunity when an opportunity hits you. So I saw a dealer with some vintage. I'm like, do you have any 63 Parkhurst? He says, no, but I got a whole stack of 53 Parkhurst. And I go, well, I was really looking for 63 Parkhurst, not 53 Parkhurst. He's like, well, take a look. I'll cut you a really good price. And he did. And I got like 13 Parkies from 5354. In generally nice shape for $110 Canadian. So if you figure that's about 10 bucks a card, the nicest card, unfortunately, had a horizontal crease. It's an Eric Nestorenko rookie card. But you know, when you consider that I got all of these cards for like 10 bucks each, I mean, you can't even find these in Chicago half the time. I mean, I got a, a, a Milt Schmidt card that's a little creased, a Bill Mosienko, George Armstrong, Woody Dumart. Aldo Gudolin. That was like an opportunity where I'm like, well, I am kind of building this set kind of passively. You know, I found a set of 2002-2003 Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, and we all know who's in that set, right? 
right? Yeah, you do know. Okay. Marc-Andre Fleury pre-rookie card. So 10 bucks. I'm just like, yes. And in the 95-96 Halifax Mooseheads set, which has a pre-rookie card of J.S. Jaguar. And that's the kind of thing I geek out on, right? I, I like I like those sorts of things. I already mentioned the rookie class set. I picked up some Mike Bossy autographs from the Mike Bossy Foundation. His daughter was selling lots of signed Mike Bossy stuff. I think Mike signed a bunch of things before he passed away because they had a ton of stuff and everything was $22. And they had a big presence. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I bought that I was kind of an impulse buy is a guy had a, a, an autographed Opeachy Ray Bork rookie. And I said, when did you get that signed? He's like, oh, I got it signed today. I'm like, really? And I thought about it. I'm like, well, what do you want for it? And he told me. And I like added up the price of like what Bork was charging for an autograph. And then what a Bork Opeachy rookie should sell for, or I think it should sell for. And it seemed way cheaper. I mean, it was like a good price. So I said, all right, this is kind of an impulse buy. I'll do it. Because do I want a Ray Bork autograph? Yes. Would I love a Ray Bork autograph rookie card? Well, I did bring both of his tops rookie cards with me, both of his rookie cards that I have, a scratched one and an unscratched one, because I thought about getting his autograph. But then the OPG one is the one I really wanted. So the no, fact that... Yeah, you know, the dirty secret of these shows is that you can get these cards... You can buy them already signed for way cheaper than it costs to buy the card and get them signed at these shows. So, you know, anyway, I know people want to meet the, the players and whatever, but sometimes you can get them like you like you got that card cheaper than if you had bought the rookie card and then paid for the signing. Yes. Yeah. And it saved me some time. And then I bought a stack of autographed photos for like 10 each. Again, way cheaper. Like, for instance, I found a Jerry Cheever's photo of him wearing his stitches mask. Ten bucks. And that would be the photo I'd want to get signed. You can get deals like that at the expo, which was really good. And because there's so much hockey, you don't get that chance. Like, I love to just go through those dollar boxes of the 80s, 70s and 80s OPG cards. Because you can never do that anywhere else. There is no such thing. And so I picked up a lot of stuff like that. And the other thing, too, is like I got Paul Coffey's autograph because, you know, I had the VIP. So I had enough to cover like for a free autograph. And I had a really fun interaction with him. So he was signed at the same time as uh, as Carey Price. So like every Montreal Canadiens fan in at the show was like in front of Carey Price's table at the same time as Mike Tyson. So like literally three quarters of the autograph pavilion was like mobbed with people. And then like and then um. Paul Coffey shows up and there's like three people waiting for Paul Coffey. I was like the first guy there. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, Paul Coffey is like the Oilers legend, that, you know, and, and Penguins legend. I'm like, I, I couldn't care less, about, you know, what, what's going on on this side of the table. So I had an 8045 OPG card that I got at the show for like, I don't know, a dollar, maybe two. So I go up to him, I give him the card. He goes, oh, you know, uh, I said, oh, thanks for coming out. You know, I always say stuff like that when, People are signing and he's like oh no problem he's like uh, where are you from i'm like oh, i'm from new york new york city he's like oh new york i love new york he's like uh i was like yeah i'm sure you have lots of stories about the garden playing at the garden he's like oh yeah i love playing there even when they redid the garden i love playing at the garden he goes but where, where in new york really are you from i go well i'm from brooklyn new york and he goes oh brooklyn he goes i got they got the best pizza there across the bridge and he's telling me about this restaurant across the bridge and we're talking about pizza for like three minutes and i'm thinking like 
he must have spent a lot of time in New York hanging out with Wayne Gretzky is my guess. But otherwise, I was like, you know, was a, and he's a big guy. Like, he still works out, I think. He's got big hands, and he's just in great shape. And uh, it was fun, you know. And uh, and I think that's the kind of thing you get at this show like this, especially people that are not super-duper popular. Like, you know, I, I mean, I'm surprised how much Carey Price was popular for autographs. But I guess if you're a Canadians fan, that was a big get there. But no, it was it was just fun. the fact that you're saying that Paul Coffey is not popular. That's just killing me. That's well, like look, a dagger in my side. Well, no, I, I think twist. Look, there were not 200 people waiting for his autograph, but there were. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Like I would be going crazy at that because no, no. Coffey to me, and this yeah. is just to me, he's arguably one of the best defensemen of all time. I agree. Like I, I would make the case for that. Yeah, I mean, wait, the other one, yeah. I will tell you this. I have never seen anybody skate like he can. Right. Ever. So, you know, going to Penguin games in the late 80s, early 90s, he was a flash on the ice. And he could probably skate backwards faster than he skated forwards. Right. I mean, he was a freak. And, And that was well into his career by the time he got to the Penguins. After winning the Cups with with Edmonton, and then he helps, you know, the Pens win. And it's like, Coffee's an outstanding player. I mean, obviously Hall of Famer. But it it kills me all the time when I see stuff like that. Because you hear about it all the time. Right. And, and you see it. It's like, oh, here's, uh, name your guy du jour for this week in the NBA. And he's like the most popular guy. He's got 7,000 people wants his autograph. And meanwhile, two tables down, Bill Russell's sitting there. And it's like, there's six guys in line. I mean, I get it also like these guys that have been around a long time. They've been signing longer. I think this is one of the first shows that Carey Price has done, at least that I'm aware of. Price doesn't sign. He doesn't do public appearances that often. Right. So this was kind of a big deal. But yeah, like you said, the flavor du jour or, you know, the, the flavor of the week. And you and I, we've talked about this a million times. Hockey Hall of Famers are massively, massively disrespected when it comes to the hobby. I mean, they just are. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was I was talking to my kid earlier before we jumped on the show, and and he's like, so I have I have a display in my you know card space of Hockey Hall of Fame autographs because I have a nice little collection going of. Hall of Famer autographs, and he's like, "Dad, how much do you think that? How much do you think that whole entire shelf is worth?" Like, I, I don't know. I mean, Gretzky's up there, Lemieux's up there, Bobby Orr's up there, Ray Bork, Dominic Hasek. I mean, there's a lot of really great players that I have autographs of that are up on this display. But then I also look over there and I see, you know, like Alex Delvecchio. He's been in the Hall of Fame for many, many years. He's still alive. He still signs. His autograph is amazing looking. You can mm-hmm. actually read it. Mm-hmm. Amazing player. And you can buy his autographs for 10 bucks or less. You know, I've got, there's numerous guys over there. Phil Housley, another one. You know, you can buy his autograph for next to nothing. You know, and, and you look at this year's Hall of Fame class, Pierre Turgeon, you can get his autographs for next to nothing. And well, it's like, I told Sal, I told Sal that Mike Vernon was signing. He got inducted. And I said, well, don't you remember, guys? I got Mike Vernon's autograph in a dollar box at the National. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep. 
and you know so that's it yeah and it, it just it kills me i i mean i'm i'm fine with it from the standpoint of collecting because i can get the stuff that i want for cheap so if people want to stay away that's fine but i feel like here's what happens everybody ignores the greatness until a player passes away mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden everybody's just like oh that guy was my favorite come on no he wasn't you know you didn't care and now that they're dead you think you're going to try to capitalize on something and then the autograph prices go up because you can't get them anymore and this that and the other. i one thing i noticed at the chicago show i mean you used to find bobby hall autographs i'm not going to say dirt cheap but they were fairly cheap because he signed everything all the time constantly but now that he's passed and there's the the faucet's been turned off a lot of the same stuff that I saw before that was, you know, 20, 25 bucks is now 50 bucks. So, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, that's, what's going to happen. You're, it's going to dry. The well's going to dry up eventually for a lot of these guys. And that's why I'm so glad that, that you got me that Les Binkley autograph because he's no spring chicken and Binkley is a pivotal, pivotal member of the penguins organization in their history because he was their first goaltender. And I mean, there'd be no franchise without him. He saved tons of games. And Sal told him that on your behalf. Yeah. yeah I, I read him. I, I might've paraphrased your, the text message. You were like, if you get a chance, tell us Binkley that I love him and I want him to adopt me as his great grandson. No, I'm kidding. That I, I, I mean, said basically that, sure. I said, you know, a good friend of mine who I do a podcast with, He's a huge Penguins fan, and he appreciates the history of the team. And he said that if it wasn't for you, the team probably would not have survived those first few years, and that you were really like one of their most significant players those first few years. And he looked at me, and he said, tell your friend thank you. He's a real fan. Like, like not like he was... Like, oh, you know, he he was like very sincere. He was like very touched. And he was just like, oh, tell your friend, thank you very much. He's he's a real fan. He really loves hockey, you know, that that sort of thing. So, you know, it was it was nice, you know. I mean I but that's the kind of thing that people can't take advantage of if they ignore the history. Right. And, and that's what drives me up the wall about all the people with their dang bro cases filled with ultra modern stuff that's been graded that they think is worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Meanwhile, here's history right in front of you. You could get a part of that. Like I would think every panel discussion, you know, Sal, you did both of those, you know, with hockey hall of famers, you know, mm-hmm. Bernie Perrant, you got Marcel Dion. Yeah. Well, well Simmer and, John and uh, Dave Taylor aren't in the Hall of Fame, but, but they had still, respectable, triple very crown respectable line. careers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's like, I would think there'd be 300 people sitting in the audience, just like ready to eat that stuff up. And nope. if you if you told me there were three, I'd be like, yeah, I'd believe it. It's like 30 people, maybe. Yeah, it just kills me. But I guess that's a different conversation that we could have. We could probably do a whole show for a year about that. Before we move on, I want to just highlight two other things I purchased at the show, because this is the kind of stuff I was looking for. One, I bought a complete set of 1961-62 Sheriff coins. It's 120 coins. They made 20 coins for each of the original six teams. I knew the dealer that was selling them, and so he recognized me. We started talking, and I said, well, what did you bring? And I looked, you know, I looked at his table, 
and he cut me a really nice price on them. And I looked and I just said, wow, those are really nice. And he says, oh, you could have it for this much. And I thought about it. I go, you know, I mean, some of these coins are like five, 10 bucks each, you know, depending who it is and based on condition. And he did this thing where like, not only did he put them in the coin pages, but first he put them in something called a coin flip, which is a, a piece of cardboard that has like a clear plastic where the coin would go and you fold it over and then you staple it shut and then you put it in the coin pocket. So, I mean, he did a really nice job on how it looked. And I looked at this and I just said, man, this 6162 complete set of coins that you got in pudding, you know, what is it? 60 years ago, 65. And it was less than what an Austin Matthews young gun would have cost me. Again, just night and day, some of these prices. So that was just like, the, I, I saw that. And I'm like, I got to have that. The other thing I bought, and this has been on my grail list for a while, is I finally got myself an OPG Gretzky rookie, and I bought a graded one. You pulled the trigger on it then. On I did. Yeah. I did. Because the story I like to tell is I did buy an OPG Gretzky rookie in 1992, but I found out that it was counterfeit years later, that it was a fake. So... I really have no intentions of buying a raw Gretzky rookie, Opeachy rookie. So now I have a Tops and I have an Opeachy. And the thing is, is that the prices on these were all over the place. Like this is a PSA 3.5. I got this for less than what another dealer was selling a PSA 2 for. And I got it for less than what another dealer was selling a PSA 3 for. So you have to walk around and really look and do your research and do your homework because you look and you go, oh, that's a good price. But then you go a few tables over and then you find a nicer graded card for less money and you go, huh? So this was like my score, you know, so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, I'm happy I went, of course. I'm not going to be able to go in the spring, but I'll definitely go next fall. And hopefully you guys, well, Clemente. Hopefully you will. And Tim, maybe we'll kidnap you and smuggle you over the border. You're going to have to because I don't have a current passport. Well, dude, it only takes like six weeks to get a passport. We're giving you an 11 and a half month notice. I guess we can get to the show that Tim did go to, which was in Chicago, right? Yeah, the spectacular. It was spectacular, but only after I got there. Quickly, I'll just say I set up to sell again. I've been selling. Let's see. I sold at the. November 2019 show, that's when I started doing my T-shirts. And I didn't really bring any cards at that show. I just brought T-shirts to sell. And then I did uh, November of 21, March of 22, November of 22, March of 23. Oh, uh, sorry. There was a June 22 as well. So there were three in 2022 because the National was in Atlantic City. So they had another Chicago Sports Spectacular that summer, like in June. Then I did the two in um, 2023, March and November. And it was a good show. This was probably not counting that November 2021 show because that was still really part of like the COVID bubble where people were just buying everything and, and three of them. This was probably my strongest show. But a lot of that had to do with the fact that I had Connor Bedard cards for sale. And people wanted them. Now, I didn't have the card that they wanted. And I said to them, they said, oh, you got the Easter egg card? And I'd smile. And I'd say, I was at the Toronto Expo last weekend. 
everybody wanted $700 for the card. And I said, and I didn't want to spend $700, bring it here so that people can offer me $450. And everybody cracked up. And that was all I needed to say. And they're like, well, maybe I'll buy that Team Canada card or maybe I'll buy that Tops Now sticker or whatever, right? They understood that I can't really buy it for $700 and bring it here. What am I going to sell it for? Like, you know what I mean? Like everybody wanted that card. But when they understood how hard it was to get, people weren't like, well, I'm not going to settle for anything less than that. They were just, they were realistic. Whereas like if somebody says, you got an Ovechkin young gun and I say no, but I do have his FLIR showcase or I do have his FLIR ultra or I do have his rookie class and they look at me like I'm poop on the bottom of their shoe. Rookie class? You could sell that for hundreds. <laughs> hundreds, yes. Well, I guess the Depends. question I have is, was was the show, because it was in Chicago, like the National, did it feel like a repeat of the National? And how was the hockey offerings? Was it was there good hockey dealers, good hockey stuff out there? Tim could talk more about the hockey offerings. And I'll just say, just, just from my limited exposure at that show, it didn't feel like a repeat of the National. It was bigger than the Expo. You've been to the Spectacular before. You know what it's like. Yeah. Scaled down. It's like a more manageable National. Tons of signers. And and it was busy. It was crowded. I mean, what was the line like getting in? Did you see the admission line? It took you forever to park. Yeah, the parking was bad. Uh, but once we got in, I mean, everything moved pretty quick because they had multiple ticket windows open and they were splitting people up into different groups. So they were managing it. The flow was pretty good. There was a car show going on at the same time downstairs. So a lot of the glut of people was down there, too. So, like, you had everybody converging at the escalators in the Stevens Center. Half of them going upstairs, half of them going downstairs. So, like, everybody was all crashing into each other. That's why it was so hard to get in, because you had dueling shows again. Yeah, I mean, we were waiting outside, and I mean, we were just standing there. There wasn't, like, a huge line of people just, like, crashing into us or anything. They were bringing them in pretty quick. But that was Saturday. I mean, I don't know what it looked like Friday or Sunday. Sunday was kind of slow. Like, like Sunday, people started packing up an hour early. Like at three o'clock, people started packing up. But the Saturday was busy, like consistently busy. Well, you were there Saturday, so you saw what it was like. Yeah, there were there were moments, but you could at least kind of move around. I know the national was a little rough on Saturday for a little while. I know you guys all said that it was even worse on Friday. There were more people, but. You know, Saturday I thought was was pretty good. This show, it's what I was expecting as far as how many people were there. But, you know, more to Clemente's point, was there any hockey? So there's never hockey at these shows. You have to dig, you have to look, you have to search high and low, and you have to go through box upon box to find most of whatever anybody brings, and it's usually only a handful of stuff. And if you're not buying graded, it's even harder to find. Because they'll all have, you know, the Ovechkin rookie graded or the or the Crosby rookie graded or the Gretzky rookie graded. Everybody has those. They're everywhere. But, you know, you got to dig for all the other stuff. But guess what we got? We got the Bedard bump. And what has that done? That's caused all these people that wouldn't normally care or bring hockey to shows to guess what? They're bringing hockey to shows. And they had boxes and they had singles, 
And I found more tables at this show that had hockey in it than I think I ever have at a Chicago show. And I'm not exaggerating. I've never gone to a sports card spectacular and not walked through the entire place at least three times. And I'm talking only on a one-day basis. I've never. And I didn't make it through the entire show up and down every aisle this time because every two to three tables I'd go past, they'd have a bunch of hockey sitting there. And I'd be like, wow, okay, cool. And then I'd start flipping through and seeing what was there and everything else. Now, a lot of higher-end stuff, sure, absolutely. A lot of graded stuff, absolutely. But I found way more people willing to bring the other stuff to try to unload because of the popularity that hockey's give, been given because of the Bedard bump in the Chicago area. And South so, coming to you too as a result of that then? If this bump was out there? or uh, Not really. I mean, I sold Connor Bedard like low-end cards, again, like Team Canada or Top Stickers. Nobody was really interested in anything vintage. Like, in fact, what I did was I kind of put all my, like, 1990s, 1980s, 1970s, I kind of just kept them in stacks and put them in one case with, like, a couple of complete sets and, like, other vintage items. And the only things that really sold for me were Blackhawk cards. Like, autographs of, like, popular players like Brent Seabrook or Nicholas Yalmerson Jersey cards like Patrick Kane, those are always a good seller for me. But like just thinking about like off the top of my head, it was like those sorts of things. Like I have like a lot of nice cards of non-Blackhawks. I don't think I sold any or I, I might have sold one or two, but it was really just like the Blackhawk cards that were selling for me. Like Duncan Keith, I mean, some low end Chris Chelios cards. He was one, he was signing at the show. You know, I think I sold a couple of hockey books, you know, because, like, the diehard hockey fans are starting to find me. Like, I sold a Tom Barrasso rookie, and it was actually just the most random thing because this guy was a Penguins collector. And I said, oh, well, uh, let's see what we have here. And he's like, well, I got the Lemieux second year card, but I actually need a Barrasso rookie. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I brought one. Sold like a couple of low end, like Kevin Korchinski cards. He doesn't have any Blackhawk cards yet. You know, like I said, Keith, Corey Crawford. I mean, I did sell a Tim Stutzla Young Gun, a low end Kale McCarr card, some non-sports cards, believe it or not. Let's see, like Greg who has a podcast, a Star Wars, uh, the, the uh, Rebel Base Card podcast, which is about Star Wars card collecting, has become one of my hobby friends. So he always comes to my table and hangs out. And, um, you know, he's like, oh, you got non-sport cards this time. So, you know, I sold a few of those, but it was just like, just really like Blackhawk stuff and then just like random things. I know that's kind of a long answer. I actually sold a 9091 OHL complete set by 7th Inning Sketch. And a 1991 WHL complete set by seventh inning sketch. I think they were like five bucks each. And the guy's like, how come these are so cheap? I go, because nobody wants junior cards from 30 years ago. <laughs> they were produced in mass. Yeah, like like grains of sand on the earth. Right. From from being a dealer and selling, that's that's unfortunate to hear because the amount of stuff that has creeped back into some people's tables and stuff i think i'm attributing it strictly to the bedard bump 
because people are paying attention to hockey because of that. And great. I'm all for it. There were quite a few tables that I went to that, you know, they had the boxes you could search through for a quarter or however many for a dollar or whatever they are. And every time I'd walk up to a table, people were looking through the hockey ones. Like usually those, if there were ever any, they're off to the side and no one's touching them and hasn't touched them the whole show. So I can just grab a box and move over out of the way and be on my merry way. And it's like, that's what people were looking at. They're flipping through these boxes and I don't know what they're buying, but they're buying something. That's good to hear, but maybe because you're in the right city, you're in Chicago. I don't know if that's true of the Dallas card show or the Anaheim one or Chantilly or how York, like I don't think that that's the case. I mean, but I don't know, think it would be either. No, so. at least yet. When series two comes out, yeah, well, everybody's going to have hockey because they're going to be trying to capitalize on that. I hope Sal can pull a couple of those cards because everyone's going to ask you if you have his Young Guns card. That's that's going to be the new Ovechkin. It's going to be like, oh, do you have his Young Guns card? That's going to be the. Yep. New. And I'm sure the Spring Expo in Toronto will be all about that too. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a good thing, but I, I'm not excited about seeing series two cost so much just to, uh, for an o- unopened box or mm-hmm. have people already speculating on ebay like oh well you know that card's gonna be i mean look if 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 a lafreniere's rookie was what six hundred dollars out of the gate yeah that'd be twice that you know i mean because, we're we're at know. pre-sale numbers that are 300 bucks a box right now right 300 dollars yeah, yeah for, two, for a box of base cards yeah i saw 290 yeah yeah yeah, I don't even want to get into that because that's a whole grind my gear session right there. Yeah, and they're going to overproduce it because they know all the breakers are going to be breaking it, and there's going to be a million yep. on eBay. And the yep. price. And look, if he's doing as well as he's doing now at that point, he's having a good season, then that card will stay up and it will never go back down. And then getting it will be impossible. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough one for definitely years to come. Yeah. Um, but back back to the show thing, something you know we were talking about with the expo with autograph guests and everything else. I was actually shocked to see that there were a bunch of hockey guys at, at this show over the weekend. I mean, you had Hall and Oates there, you had Chelios, you had Ronick, you had Gary Unger. I did say Hall and Oates, not Hall and Oates, because they've been in the news too because they're suing each other. But they were also at the expo, Hall and Oates doing stuff together. So but were they at the national? No, there was no hockey people at the I national, know, which, basically. Which is weird that the Chicago show would have way more signs than the national does. And yeah. I hope that changes. Yeah, it's great. It was crazy. Oh, there was also Doug Gilmore. Oh, Gilmore, yeah. Because Gilmore was there Saturday and the other guys were there Sunday. Yeah, yeah actually, as long as we're on the topic of autograph signers, I'll just tell you really quick. I did manage to get a few autographs at the uh, Sports Spectacular. I got my uh, 96-97 Fleer Metal Universe Chris Chelios card signed in silver, and it looks sharp. That looks badass, right? And then I got a rookie card signed in blue. Nice. Also badass. Um, I got Adam Oates' rookie card signed, so I got a Got a thing going here. So I think I'm going to do a display because I already have Hull's rookie card signed. I now have Oates' rookie card signed. I picked up that signed Ray Bork card. But this was a weird one that I got signed. I got a Brett Hull. This is from something called Topps Lost Rookies. Where what they did was they made cards that could have happened but didn't. Like, for instance, 
Hall appeared in 88, 89 tops. This is him on an 87, 88 tops because he did play in 86, 87 for the Flames. He only played five games. So they weren't going to put him in an 87, 88 set. But if they did, this is probably what it would have looked like. So it was just such an odd card that I just like, I, I really want, I liked it. I just, I like the photo. I like the card. Um, and then the other thing that I got signed when I was in Canada uh, at the expo, I found a photo of Paul Coffey and Chris Chelios, and it was only signed by Paul Coffey. So then I took it to the Chicago show and I got it signed by Chelios. So, um, and then, you know what, uh, as far as Bobby Hull goes, I found my favorite Bobby Hull photo signed for 10 bucks. And the photo, we've all seen it. It's the one where he's being restrained by a linesman and his nose is bleeding and he looks like he's trying to get at a Canadians player. And this is just like my favorite photo. It's not a flattering photo, but. It's an iconic photo. It's iconic because Hull is bleeding and he, and, and he looks like he's ready to go for round two. And, when I asked him, when I got to interview him at the virtual expo in, in December of 2020, I said, what's the story with that photo? He's like, I got cross-checked in the face. He said, so it wasn't like I got in a fight and I lost. He's like, I got hit in the face. So I was angry and I was ready to, you know, throw down with John Ferguson. And I'm like, oh, that's such a great story. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, it's, I don't know. It's just something, it's just like one of those photos where like, you could tell that the guy was just a gamer. You know what I mean? Like he's bleeding from his face, but he's just ready to like throw hands. You know what I mean? Like, whereas most of us would be like, ah, I'm cut. Is that my blood? I need a minute. You know, let me go get a towel. <laughs> I don't want to get infected. Right. That's cool. I didn't do any of the autograph stuff. Cause I was too busy searching through boxes, but like I said, I didn't even make it through the whole, the whole show because of how much, hockey there was to look through and even like my wife came with me so jess was there too and we even at one point split up and she was like looking at stuff somewhere else and i was looking at stuff somewhere else and she was finding like all kinds of crazy stuff and when i finally did find her she's like hey come look at this box and she had like pulled everything she thought i would think was cool to the front so when i got there i, I just had a stack to look through and i mean there was like awesome stuff in there there was so much hockey and it was like on card autographs and just all kinds of crazy stuff but those folks if you remember clemeni at the national the pain sports guys yeah they were there okay and they had i don't know it was hard to top the amount of space that they had at the national but they had at least that much space at the chicago show and so i was over there talking to them for a while everything was cased up and everything was graded Oh boy. And and so I when Tim wasn't busy with somebody, I asked him, I'm like, hey, did you guys bring any of the non-graded hockey? Yeah. Because you had like yeah, you had those stacks that were rubber banded when you were at the national. Did you bring any of that? He's like, Yeah, we just didn't have room in the case. Why wow, you want to look at any of that? I'm like, I'll look at whatever you got. So yeah. his wife went and grabbed a couple boxes from like a shelf that they had in the back, and I just started flipping through everything and I found quite a few pretty cool pieces. Like I was able to to get a 5758 Parkhurst Doug Harvey, which I thought was pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's kind of a well-loved card. 
I would say. But at the same time, it's a 57-58 Parker's Doug Harvey. And, well, I mean, if you want to talk about best defenseman of all time, you can't have a conversation without that guy because for, like, what was it? Uh, oh, eight eight-year period, he won the Norris Trophy, seven of the eight, and the one year that he didn't win it. This guy, his teammate won it, which I found in that same stack, Tom Johnson, also 57-58 Parkhurst. He has a good shape. Yeah. Like I said, the Doug Harvey's a little little rough, but the, the Tom Johnson's pretty good shape. I found I pulled out a couple, like 53-54 Parkhurst in there. I got a Pocket Rocket 59-60 Parkhurst, Henry Richard. I got a Glen Hall, which Sal saw the Glen Hall. It's got a crease in it. It's a 60-61 tops, but it's in pretty nice shape. The corners are sharp, and the colors are great. It just has that crease in it. And I'm like, I don't care. This card's awesome. And now you guys are making me want to go to the March Chicago show. It sounds like that's where it's at in terms of hockey. Maybe it is the Bedard bounce, which would be a Well, and that's the thing. Like – they had a, a ton of cases of hockey, but it was a lot of it was graded and it was a lot of the older stuff, really nice stuff, really nice condition and everything. But that's out of my, I'm what the French call les poor because that's what I am when it comes to collecting. And so like being able to find the ungraded stuff and again, well-loved, but these are all hockey hall of famers. Everybody I pulled out of that box, I think I got eight cards all from the 50s and 60s, and I, you know, basically paid a bend for it. Yeah. And they're all right. decent cards that would easily sell for for that, if not more, uh, I, even in that kind of condition. So, I did end up buying three like, hockey, hockey cards, cards, even though I'm I'm at my table. I actually I bought an Owen Power like a low end rookie card for a couple of bucks because this kid really wanted to make a sale and. They go, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, sure, find five dollars and you know, whatever. Like throw it in my case for ten or whatever, but it's like an eight dollar card anyway, so whatever. I probably did him a favor, but you know, sometimes you gotta pay it forward. I'm not gonna do that with like five hundred dollars worth of garbage cards or you know, where they want five hundred dollars, you know, a couple bucks for a card, you know, whatever. This kid was like really, what well, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you whatever? Anyways, but I bought three cards at the show. The first card that I bought. I've been thinking about buying this card for a while, and I finally finally got around to buying it. It's a Nathan McKinnon rookie patch auto. I did like a part trade, part cash for it. The, the guy was kind of hard to deal with. He was very hard to negotiate with, but he, he finally relented, and I was able to pry it away from his grubby, grubby little fingers. That guy uh, sounds like a real a-hole. So Tim had this card... And he brought it to the national and I looked at it and I said, that's a nice card. And Clemente's like, you should buy that card from Tim. And I'm like, yeah, I should. And then I forgot about it. And then I didn't buy it. And then I was like, you should bring that card, Tim. So I could think about buying it, but then ultimately not buy it off of you. But then you're willing to, you know, take a couple bucks off. If I traded you that Jake Gensel young gun canvas card. So yay, everybody wins, right? I was happy with it. I was happy. I'm happy with if it. you're happy. I'm totally happy with this card. So this is one, and this is great because you know it's a it's a. Well, I say RPA. I think it's a jersey rookie 
little jersey card, whatever. I don't care. It's numbered out of 199, and this will go in my case with my current players. And then I bought another card that I've been obsessing over since the national. I bought a Roy Shrimp Warders rookie card from 3334 Opeachy. And I've been thinking a lot about this card. And the same guy that you bought cards from, I bought this from. And then at the end of the show, I talked myself into buying this card. I, I wanted it, but you go, do I want to spend that much on a card? But then I think about it and I go, hey, would you rather have this card or an Austin Matthews Young Gun? Because they're the same price. And I said, I would rather have this card than the Austin Matthews Young Gun. And I bought a Howie Morenz. 3334 OPG, the Stratford Streak, referred to as the Babe Ruth of hockey. That's a one, and that look, card looks awesome shape. Yeah, I mean, it, you know what? It's got creases, but you know what? When when they're in the slabs, it kind of makes them look less apparent, you know? You know how I feel about graded cards, but I will say this. The older vintage stuff, especially the vintage hockey, in those SGC slabs with, with the black tuxedo around it, they do look pretty good. I like the SGC slabs and I like the black around it. And these cards do look good in it. And you know what? It's 90 years old. I mean, come on. It's 90 well, that looks years awesome. old. That shrimp borders card looks pretty nice too. I mean, dude, this is the thing. Like I bought the card from the guy and then I thanked them profusely for it because it was affordable. And I now have the rookie card of the shortest man to play in the NHL. He was five, three or five, four. He was a little, little bit shorter than Darren Pang, who was 5'5". Five, five. So those were my purchases. You know, I didn't do much purchasing because I was at my table, you know, and, and, and selling. But I mean, it looks to me like the steal of the day was that McKinnon. I mean, that's that's like straight fire right there. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to deal with that guy again. Oh, wait, we're talking about you still. Um, yeah, I think now that we know that I'm talking about you, it's not funny anymore. It was funny when it was ambiguous. I'm pretty sure that was Pim Terrish you were dealing with. Pim Terrish, right? P-Y-M? Yeah, P-Y-M, like Hank Pym. Like Hank Pym. Yeah. To the listeners who also get Marvel references, you're welcome. Here's the thing, though. Overall, like, from what I did, like, the ground that I did cover in the show, it, it seemed like it was a typical Sports Spectacular card show. It had a lot of the same stuff that you always see there. It had a lot of the tendencies of what you see the bro cases were all there. Everybody was still carrying them around and everything else. So it wasn't like there wasn't some disconnect between what was at the show and what might have been going on in the lobby out, outside. But that was all still there. I noticed it a lot less because I was way more engaged with a lot of the product that was out there. And I think two things. There was more hockey, so I was looking at more stuff. The other thing, too, is if there's less hockey, I'm stopping at less tables, and I'm probably making it through a lot quicker because I'm like, oh, all graded, all graded, all graded. And then I skip the entire first four rows because it's all vintage baseball. And I'm, you know, so, you know, I did cover some ground and everything. This is one of the first shows I've ever been to. Didn't buy any wax at all. None. And one of the big reasons why? It was way overpriced. All of it. You know how I know? I didn't even have to comp any of it. I went to my local card shop probably two, maybe three weeks ago. And if I know my LCS 
has prices cheaper than what they were selling it at a show, that they're overpriced. Because a brick and mortar store generally is going to have higher prices than what everybody else does. And especially at these shows, like when DNA and Chicago Land Sports and, and Steel City and those types show up there, they generally have discounted prices because they know they're selling in bulk. So nothing was marked down. Like Series 1 was still astronomically high which makes no sense to me whatsoever. When you can go to a local card shop and buy it for 110 or less, like we bought two boxes, they were 100 bucks from our local card shop. At the show, they were well over that. At every table. Cheapest, what did I tell you, Sal? The cheapest I saw it was like 112, 113, something like that. I think you said 110 a box, and I thought about buying a box because... I bought two boxes and I still need cards for my base set. So I figured, eh, I'll get one more box, but I just didn't get around to it. And see, we did two boxes. I polished off the base set out of two boxes. We were able to polish off a base set and then ended up with, you know, 12 young guns, but I didn't get any of the fancy like outburst golds or any of that kind of stuff out of Mm-mm. either of mine. But again, at this show, I, we bought no wax and my wife was even saying in the car on the way back, we're like, we have nothing to open. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. We don't. So because those prices were ridiculous, and I bought a bunch of singles, and she thinks singles are boring. She'd rather open packs, which is fine. I'm cool with that too. But we just didn't. I thought, you know, maybe I'll find something older for a decent price. Nope, none of that either. Everything was like last two, three years, and it was all marked way up. Yeah, even the expo had wax that wasn't worth buying. So. I mean, it's not worth carrying that you know, in a, on an airplane anyway. But but it wasn't worth. There was no deals there. You know, they had. Well, I saw they had nineteen ninety one upper deck extended, for like what thirty Canadian. Oh, like a, a like a like a set, like the set yeah. of the update set for like yeah. thirty dollars. Like, and like, we're like, okay, it should be a buck. Okay, it should be maybe five bucks. Okay, maybe it should be ten. Ugh, not really, but. But like $30, yeah, like it's ridiculous what some of these people will try to sell unopened wax for. Like at the expo, there were like unopened boxes of like mid-90s hockey for like 30 bucks a box. And you go, well, that would have been a good price in the mid-90s when everything was a buck a pack or thereabouts. But what is that 93-94 Donra Series 2 box really going to get me? Like, what am I going to pull from that? Like, A, is it going to be bricked? B, is there even a good card in there? And C, if I get it graded and it comes back a PSA 10, who's going to want it? You know, oh, I got a 93-94 Sergei Fedorov Donruss card rated PSA 10. Okay. I'm sure there's a Sergei Fedorov collector who wants that card. But really? I mean... It's just ridiculous. I, I will admit I haven't opened them yet, but I went to a small one-day card show a few months back, and I know this dealer. He's also the guy that organizes this show, and he had unopened boxes of 91-92 Upper Deck, and he had other boxes. He had, like, new boxes of cards, and he didn't have price stickers on those 91-92s. I laughed. I said, hey, Joe. I want to ask how much these are, but as they say, if you have to ask, you probably can't afford it, right? 
And he laughed. He said, 10 bucks a box. I said, I'll buy all four. You know, 10 bucks a box of 91, 92 upper deck. Yes, I'll buy all four. I'll open them. We'll do a podcast episode about them. I'll never sort them. And that'll be the end of it, right? Or I'll build them into sets that'll sit for $10 a piece and nobody will buy them. You know what I mean? Whatever. But that's kind of what it should be. Like, like a cheap thrill. Like when you bought those... Tim bought some packs and we did a pack war because I guess his wife and him were tired of looking at cards or they were just tired and wanted to sit. So they came back to the booth and Tim's like, let's do a pack war. And like, I think Jess won because she kept grabbing the packs that have 12 cards. So be like, well, I guess you win the next round because we don't have any cards. And Tim's pack was brick. So we only had one card that was about the thickness of a Jersey card. It was really six cards or eight cards, but it was just one. He'd pull them apart and it was just like ripped and it's like they were worthless. I mean, even more so now. I mean, they're worthless to begin with, but then when they're missing a big piece of paper off the front. Still fun to go through them. I mean, for, oh, a, buck, yeah. for a buck a pack out of a rando box at a table just out of nowhere. I mean, there was a guy that was right behind you, like kind of catty corner to the Jersey people. Yep. All they had was hockey. And they had a giant sign that said, buying hockey, all we have is hockey. And I saw that. It's true. All they had was hockey. But it was case upon case upon case upon case of everything you'd ever want to see high-end wise. So think of every top young gun in every upper deck set since 2000. I've seen they had all of it. Yeah, he's yeah. got like every young gun. Yep. They had everything. Seen that guy that in Chicago before, and it's like, it's great to look at. But you're right, the prices get yeah. crazy. Every future watch auto that's ever been released, every yeah. young gun, all the black diamonds, quad diamonds back when they had those, all of oh, the man. exquisites back in the day, the cups. I mean, they had everything that you yeah, can but imagine. But nothing, the prices on them were insane, and nothing was priced. You had to ask. Yes. Correct. And so I hate that because you look and you go, wow, all of these nice cards. But then you look, it's like, I guess if you're going to buy the card, you're going to buy the card. And if you're like, you know what? We're not their target audience. They're selling to the bro cases because the bro cases are going to be like, whoa, that's a sick Austin Matthews young gun. Uh, uh, I'm going to buy that and get it graded and sell it for, you know, four grand. Well, it's not a four grand card even graded, but you get my point, right? Like, that's who they're catering to. And so I look at that and I go, these would be nice cards to have in my collection. But then I go, do I want that Austin Matthews card? Or do I want that Howie Morenz card? And then I said to myself, this is where Tim goes, well, Sal, there's over 5,000 graded copies of the card. So there's probably 30,000 ungraded copies of the card. But how many Howie Morenzes have you ever seen? And that's, honestly, that's the first Howie Morenz card I've ever seen. So See, uh, then my job is done because as long as I can put that voice in the back of your head and you hear my little Jiminy Cricket with, with my... Buy vintage! Buy with vintage! my pot-smoking, burnout voice that I apparently buy have. Buy vintage! Buy vintage! Um, yeah, that's exactly it. You got to look at the logical picture of the whole thing. And yeah, these are out there. People are paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars or thousands even when they're graded and high graded. I get it. I understand. You want to be part of that? Go right ahead. I, I've never been one to go play the ponies or drop tons of money in a, in a casino. 
but yeah, go ahead and do that. I would rather appreciate what it is that I'm doing and you can hate me if you want, but I do things the way I want to do because collect what you like and that's what I'm doing. But I look at it from that standpoint, you know, how many Connor McDavid young guns are there? A billion. Right. It's not a rare card. Was it short printed? Of course, it's a young gun. That's just how they work. But it's not rare. And there's tons of them. I mean, just look at pop counts. Take anything and look at pop counts for graded. And that'll just give you an idea. And when you see the numbers are in the thousands and sometimes tens of thousands, it's kind of eye-opening, especially considering there's another card right next to it in the case that's numbered 100 or less, and you can buy it for a fraction. Oh, we've had this discussion, though, with, with Sal, right? Like at the National, I was like, look, this is a numbered rookie card out of 149, but it's not a Young Guns. It's a whatever, some other thing. It makes no sense. And they don't, nobody wants it. It makes no sense. It's crazy to me. But it's like nobody wants it because they don't think they can resell it because other people don't want it. So it just becomes this whole chicken and egg thing, right? Like collectors, they're not collectors. They're looking to flip. They're looking to do something with it. We buy it and we hoard it. We we want it. I'm not looking to flip it and and, and, or or be Mister Fancy at a trade night. Like I don't care about that. I think that's right. There's no demand okay. on that card, even though it's more scarce, which runs counter to the whole argument of scarcity and, and you know and, and how economics works. But I guess it's not about that. It's about supply and demand. And even though there's a lot of supply, there's still demand for the McDavid yeah. Young card. It's a weird thing that can't really be explained, I guess. Right. Other than there's this perception of, of it like it is. Yep. Look, there's a lane for everybody. There's a lane for everybody. Everybody can have lanes. We can cross over lanes. We can smash into each other. Whatever. It is what it is. That's what makes the hobby a uh, interesting place because there's all of these people. But if you're going to hobby, hobby. If you're going to make a business out of it, well, I don't know what advice I can give you. <laughs> so if you're going to do both, yeah, maybe we can find some happy medium in the middle. I think a good question to ask people at a trade night or just in general is say, oh, you know, what, what do you PC? If they say nothing, I'm just here to trade to get the best card I can get or to buy and sell, then 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 you're not a collector. You're a businessman. That's great. But I don't need to go with you then otherwise. Yeah. What do you PC? Um, Gretzky, Lemieux, Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid. It's like, get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, RPAs is, yeah. is what they PC. Right. right. Yeah, what's your PC? Oh, I PC the 2015-16, the cup. <laughs> yeah, you're right. right. Sure yeah. you do, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Right. So, uh, Clemente, any other questions that you might have about the Chicago Sports Spectacular before we wrap it up? No, it sounds like it was a great show, but not at all similar to the Expo, just different in a good way, but... Um, and different from the national, which is good. But I just think Chicago, in terms of regional shows, even though I didn't go to this one, but I've been to two of them, is one of the better ones in general. And and for hockey specifically, because I've been to Chantilly, I've gone to the one in New York. I've never been to Dallas, but there's no hockey there. I'm hurt. I hear. I've heard. I do think if you can't get to a national or can't get to an expo, I think Sports Spectacular in Chicago is that big show you should get to. And you guys are talking me into trying to go in March. I feel like it's totally worth it 
just because of the the convention center, the hotels. I mean, I've gone on and on. I've gone on and on about Chicago. People think I work for the Chicago Tourism Board, but I don't. But I do think it's a great venue. And you can tell this show, too, was it was similar. But no, no other questions other than, you know, the expo is great. Chicago is great. But the hobby is in a weird place, I think, in terms of, you know, everyone's saying things are going down, prices are going down. But I still think there's a lot of demand. We didn't talk about this specifically, but there's going to be a, a boom, an explosion of shows. And that's not going to sustain itself too long. And if Fanatic starts getting to this space and other people get into the space, we'll see. I mean, even the Philly show, which I've never been to, has now been rebranded the eBay Philly show, which makes me think that now these big corporate sponsors are going to put their names on stuff. And maybe we're not too far away from the Fanatics National or the eBay Chicago Sports Spectacular or whatever. You know? Oh, and we know fun. that's already coming since they've got their... And that's fine. That means that there's an increase and eBay is more involved in the hobby. Might not be a bad thing, but it'd be interesting to see what happens with these big regional shows and and whether or not hockey becomes a bigger deal. And, that, and if Bedard is the impulse for that, that's great. Because let's be honest, he's been given a lot of airtime on TV and a lot of Blackhawks games are on TV now. And he's having a pretty good season, which is great. And so we'll see what happens. But I'll be curious to see what when we talk about the Spring Expo and we talk about the Chicago Sports Spectacular in March. I'd be curious to see where we're at in terms of the hobby. You know, six months from now, the Young Guns card will be out for Bedard. You know, it could be more of the same, more growth, or, or less. We'll see. But just stay tuned, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of which, when we, you're mentioning all this show, do you ever go to the Hofstra show? Yeah. And I know there's one coming up, and I have been to that. And there's a decent amount of hockey there, but it's mostly there's yeah. an Islander stuff. So I know, I know at least one person that listens to our show fairly frequently that uh, goes to the Hofstra show. And he's always showing me all this crazy hockey stuff that he finds at the show. I'm like, what? Like, wh how are you even finding this stuff? And... Good stuff there, but I will give people a prelude of that show. So Mike Richter is signing, obviously, you know, all these Rangers Cup favorites are signing at Hofstra whenever there's a show there because people are trying to get all these 94 Cup guys on, on their posters or whatever they are. But it says on there that I think he's charging 35 for an autograph or something, not, which is not bad. And then he's he's charging $50 for a photo if you use your you have to use your own phone. And I thought, wow, that's I mean, that's I get the photo booth thing. I get that because they take a picture and they got to do all that. I'm like, if I got to take a picture with Mike Richter, it's $50 on my phone. So I thought, you know, that's pretty interesting. But anyway, I, I point that out because my jaw dropped when I saw that in my email a couple of days ago. Can you just take an off-center photo of him and then just Photoshop yourself into it? You could do that. That's not for twenty for twenty-five dollars. <laughs> Weird that a photo costs more than an autograph. I mean, come yeah. on now. Weird. Like yeah. if somebody bought, I, I I don't know, I'm not an athlete, but if somebody bought an autograph, I'd be like, yeah, the photo's free. You know what I mean? Like you've already paid me for the thing, then you know. I'll sign this for $12, but if you want proof that I was actually here, it's another 50. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You know, just real quick, I want to mention that they're already putting on sale tickets for the 2024 National Sports Collectors Convention. VIP tickets, they're going to have a uh, Cyber Monday sale on Monday, November 27th. They're giving like an extra incentive if you buy a VIP pass if or the super VIP if you're one of the first 100 I guess you get a t-shirt and if you're one of the first 500 
or you get a, uh, a signed eight by 10 photo. So just something to think about if you're thinking about going to the, the national next year in 24, uh, they're already putting those, those tickets for sale. So, all right, guys, I think we should wrap this up. This has been a nice long show, but our listeners are long overdue for our report on the Toronto Sport Card Expo and the Chicago Sports Spectacular. And I think we've said everything that we could say. Of course, when we stop recording, we'll think of five more things. But, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and subscribe. Please give us a follow on social media. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.